Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or 500 people, then I would have felt better. People say, Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag. With me, as always, is Crackle. Is the squonk. Happy squonk noises? Yes. Well, I don't know what happy squonk... I don't even know what squonk noises sound like, period. Well, I don't think they could be happy either, because they're like known to be sad fair happy squonk noises probably don't exist yeah yeah uh let's just move on i'm sure it's fine yeah it's it's fine it's fine but this week is uh i guess the newly cur the new oh god now i can't speak at all there it goes your ability to speak (laughs) <laughs> the newly coined motel, which is down the street and over to the left. You can get a motel. It's a nice room for the night. Uh, now we need new merch with literally a, like, no vacancy motel sign, and it's literally spelled motel. Well, um, Bailey Sarian. So she's the one that I like to watch for, um, she does murder, makeup, and mystery. Or mystery, murder, murder. Makeup, murder, what I forget. It's MMM. Uh, but she has a line, and I have a t-shirt from it. It's the Suspish Inn. So it's actually like a vintage neon inn sign. But it's the Suspish Inn. So Suspicion. Understandable. I love it. It's really cute. Also, I like how now I will be only calling that since you said it's the MMM. I'm just going to call it the mm. The mm. Hey, I watch that every Monday that she posts a new video because they're really good. So, yes, we're going to hop into our story today. And uh, we're going back to Russia, Krako. Wonderful. Well, it's not a serial killer this time. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because if it's not a serial killer, what is it? Because I was going to say one time we were over in that area for a story and uh, it was a cannibal, I think, so... Uh, no, Mavis was in Germany. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, no, so this is not a serial killer. In some ways, what happened is not as bad because it wasn't murdering 64 people. Like, uh, I just forgot his name. The guy we talked about in the last motel. Um, Rostov Ripper. Andre Chikatilo. Yeah, Andre Chikatilo. Yeah. Um, so he didn't murder 64 people like Andre Chikatilo, but some of the things that he did is far worse and far more disrespectful. Oh, it gets even worse. Wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a motel. That means it's going to be super happy and not dark and morbid at all. Motels are just horrifying and disturbing. Cracotails just make you go, excuse me, what? I thought you were going to say <laughs> motels are horrifying and disturbing and cracotails are just horrifying and disturbing. I mean, fair, yes. <laughs> it's, our, it's the new tagline for the show. <laughs> Welcome to the show where we have cracotails and motels. One is horrifying and disturbing and the other is disturbing and horrifying. <laughs> so... 
hopping in, um, we are going to be talking about an area called Nizhny Novgorod, which is the sixth largest city in Russia with over a million residents now. Back in 1966, Elvira and Yuri Moskvin welcomed their son, their son Anatoly, into the world. Anatoly was a good student, and he started his childhood very happily. Uh, he was just, you know, a, a quiet, smart, good kid. And then when he was in third grade in 1974, he was walking home from school, and he was grabbed and sexually assaulted by a strange man. He never told anyone until he was in his 50s. And there we have possibly what started this downward spiral into whatever it is he did. Uh, possibly. Um, there is, the next thing I tell you about is actually what he says really kind of started things, but oh, oh, we'll let this story unfold. Probably a, probably a little bit of both, to be honest. But Yeah, because um, that, you know, any child that goes through something that horrific, it's going to affect them. But surprisingly, a lot of times when something like that happens to a child, they um, they don't do well in school, they misbehave, they're, you know, it, it usually leads to some very uh, negative behavior. But he continued to excel in school, but he did become secluded, so he didn't really go out much, he didn't have a lot of friends, but, you know, he still was a a pretty good kid now five years later so this would have been when he was like in seventh eighth or ninth grade aroundabouts uh he was on a field trip and he somehow got pulled into a funeral procession for a young girl some stories say that he was forced into it others say he kind of wandered in and got like kind of stuck in it or something like that but uh he was what? I'm I'm not trying to make fun of the situation, but like that that's some Scooby Doo stuff right there. Like you're on a field trip and the next thing you know you're in the middle of a funeral procession for someone you have you don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I Where were they on a field trip to the morgue? <laughs> no, uh apparently what uh had so you know, a lot of times litter is uh, a common problem. In, especially in cities or um, around highways, things like that. So what they did is they had a contest for the local schools that whichever school cleaned up the most litter would get a prize. So they were just out in town cleaning up along the roads and stuff like that as part of this contest. Uh, and I guess it was close to a cemetery? Question mark? Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm very concerned where this is going already. I, I can honestly say I don't think you're going to be expecting a lot of things that are going to happen in today's story. I'm already not, so fair enough. So the funeral was for 11-year-old Natasha Petrova, who had passed away from accidental electrocution. Anatoly was forced to kiss the girl's forehead three times. And then after, her mother handed him an apple and revealed two brass rings. One was placed on her daughter's hand and the other on Anatoly's, and he was told that they were now married. So how do you react when your child comes home from 
a nice uh, neighborhood cleanup field trip, and you ask, how did the field trip go? I stumbled into a graveyard and got pulled into a funeral procession, and now I'm married to said person whose funeral procession that I was attending. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I, I, that, that, that's like some some like I I can't even words right now. I feel like I could just stop the story right now, and we could just have an hour of you tr- trying to wrap your brain around this. This this is something out of like a thriller novel or something. Just you, you go to pick up trash, and suddenly you're married to a corpse after being pulled into 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 a funeral procession. Fair enough. What in the pet cemetery? It's not surprising that the weeks after this were plagued by nightmares of Natasha. And she kept telling Anatoly that he needed to learn black magic to raise her from the grave. Oddly specific. Yeah. Well, he actually looked into... Now, I mean, you have to remember, he's a kid. Mm -hmm. He um, was, I think, like 13-ish at the time. So he found some rituals that were meant to stop spirits from speaking to you. So he wanted just to have her go away. So he he found some little rituals and things like that. And eventually the nightmares faded and went away. He believed it was from these rituals, but more than likely it was just time and coping and dealing. Um, you know, just the... Or it could have been... Uh basically a placebo effect he believed it was going to work and so it did he basically tricked his brain into yeah setting out the nightmares yeah highly possible but this whole situation started his interest in the macabre from here on out he was obsessed with studying rituals of death understandable i mean that's not where i would have gone with it but you know yeah, I kind of would have wanted to leave all that behind and kind of forget about that, but, you know, he just dove headfirst right into it. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, he attended Moscow State University and studied uh, language and history. On the side, he was still obsessed with black magic, and he even joined a satanic cult. Ah, uh, yes, I'm plagued by horrifying nightmares. I'm going to join a satanic cult, because things are going to get so much better. Well, after he told the other cult members about the story of Natasha, the ritual at her funeral, the other members were, like, super impressed, and they actually held him in a higher regard in the group because of this. But to him, he felt that he missed an opportunity by pushing her out of his life. And he began to focus on learning the black magic that she spoke of. This can't go bad in any way at all? No, not not, not at all. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be puppy dogs and rainbows. Mm-hmm. So his focus of study was uh, Celtic, but he researched many different cultures for his interests. He was a trained linguist, a philologist, which is that big word we learned in the Chikatilo case, and a historian, and he actually became very well-known in academia. His knowledge of folklore, burial rituals, Celtic history, the occult, as well as death in cemeteries was extensive, and a lot of academics turned to him for these topics. I just want to say... uh... I, I, I do remember good old philology, the study of Phil. <laughs> Ariel? I mean, you, 
You got you gotta study Phil, man. Mm -hmm. We're gonna come across a cryptid that we're gonna end up naming Phil, and there's philology right there. Oh, that's that's gotta be our next cryptid, actually. Uh, he collected a personal library, so not even including all of the stuff that he would you know go to libraries and things like that. This was just his personal collection. Had over sixty thousand books and documents on the various subjects. Not surprising, his fellow academics described him as both a genius and eccentric. Understandable. He led a very secluded life, even into adulthood. He never married or dated. He lived with his parents by choice. And he did not drink or smoke. In the 1990s, he researched ancient rituals to commune with the dead, including some from the Celtic Druids and Siberian Yakuts. Both societies had similar rituals of sleeping on a person's grave to commune with their spirit. And he believed that these rituals would allow him to speak with those interred at the cemetery. <laughs> you said turd. Well, um, side note, the way I transcribe my stories is I do talk to text. And talk to text wrote in space turd that's exactly how it wrote it so he started searching for obituaries of young children that died and then would sleep on their graves to talk to them he was very obsessed with young children and he was obsessed with little girls that had died and i will say it doesn't go that far to um uh-huh uh Mm -hmm. He did have one romantic relationship in 2003 when he fell in love with a woman named Yalia. She was fine with a non-sexual relationship, but she did want to have children. Unfortunately, at the time in Russia, a non-married couple was unable to adopt and he didn't want to get married. So ultimately she left him. Yeah, I kind of feel like she dodged a bullet unless she didn't know about, you know his night nightly naps in the graveyard um i don't know if she knew about the the sleeping on graves or not but uh i mean unless she was into that kind of thing too then probably would have left him a lot sooner had she known yeah who knows so speaking 13 different languages so remember he was a linguist bro i can barely speak english i know oh i know uh, he previously worked at the Institute of Foreign Languages before lecturing on Celtic studies at the Nizhny Novgorod. Okay, this is a this is a mouthful. The Nizhny Novgorod Linguistic University. There it is. Would you like to try to say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> and he would occasionally work as a journalist and regularly contributed to local newspapers. He described himself as a necropolist which is an expert in local cemeteries. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would want to be known as that, but it was his specialty. Yeah, look at that cemetery guy. Yeah, hey, cemetery dude. Not creepy at all. No, 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 no. Between 2006 and 2010, he was a freelance correspondent for the Nizhny Novgorod Worker, which is a local newspaper to the city. And in 2008, this work included a series of articles about the local cemeteries in the area. Additionally, at, in 2006, a writer commissioned him. Now, I'm not sure if it was like a textbook writer or a fictional writer. It just said a writer. Uh, commissioned him to catalog and document all of the cemeteries in Nizhny Novgorod, including all of the 
inhabitants, I guess, uh, all of those laid to rest there. But he traveled by foot up to 20 miles a day and cataloged every single cemetery in the city. A lot of times he was stopped by either the police or locals because there was this weird guy hanging around the cemetery. He never got arrested. Yeah, that's a reason to be concerned. Yes, it is very much a reason to be concerned. Uh, if I just saw some dude like creepily hanging out around cemeteries, like that would wig me out. If you're if you're gonna do this kind of work where you're just you know you've been commissioned to document the cemeteries, that that's that's fine. That that's a thing. Put on a suit and make it look like you're 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 actually a professional and you know what you're doing. Yeah. So he basically. Uh, from what I understood, looked like a homeless vagrant. And that is why you get stopped. Yeah, he, like, slept on the ground. He didn't really bathe much. He, you know, he was walking 20 miles a day. He was dirty. And, uh, you know, he was he was very focused on the work. But, yeah, the... A phrase, can you imagine the smell comes to mind? Uh, I don't want to. Uh, so he he got stopped by police a lot, but he wasn't arrested. However, the locals weren't so kind. He was often beat up, fully assaulted, or just kind of like pushed out of the area by the residents. And then after this four-year commission, so he did this from 2006 to 2010 while he was freelancing as well. Um, when he came back, he became a complete recluse and he just wrote freelance articles as his only source of income. So he stopped teaching, he stopped lecturing, uh, he stopped consulting, he just wrote freelance newspaper articles. I mean, yeah, if I got beat up everywhere I went, yeah, I'd probably stay home too. In 2011, there was a huge wave of vandalism and grave desecration in cemeteries due to a rise of hate crimes in the area. It apparently was a lot of religious prejudice, I guess, you know, different relig uh, two religions were kind of going at it and destroying each other's sacred graves, which is awful. But surprise, the creepy guy that they found wandering around in cemeteries for four years was immediately on the suspect list. Not surprising at all. Also, um, that's a thing you don't hear of very often to religions arguing. That's something you, of course, hear often, but them targeting each other's cemeteries, that's, that's different. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to mention what religion, like, it, it, it was a horrible, like, hate crimes are awful, and I don't really want to talk about them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was really odd because it was very targeted, and it was certain certain graves and stuff like that, and I'm like, this is weird. I'm not going to look into this very far. Fair enough. That would have been an entirely different rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, me going down the rabbit hole of a 65-page uh, criminal profile because of the psychological aspects of it, one thing. Me looking into hate crimes? Yeah, no. I don't want that in my search history. Uh, just just pile tabs upon tabs of religious hate crimes. Let's not do that. Yeah, no, no, no. Although that reminds me, uh, while I was waiting for you to show up for the podcast, I was looking at memes, and I saw the one, I've seen it before, but every time I look at it, I, I giggle because it's so true, is that you'll be disappointed because if you look at my search history, it's just me looking up what common words mean to make sure I'm using them properly. 
I mean, I totally don't do that. Totally not me. Yeah, no, me neither. No, no. Writing stuff up with a tab open with a thothar. A thothar. Yes, I'm just, I'm just gonna stick with that. I'm not correcting myself. Okay. <laughs> I pull out, I pull out my my the massive thotharth and just smack it down on the desk. <laughs> T-shirt idea, thotharth, T H E T H E. And it's just it's just a dinosaur with his tongue stuck out. <laughs> I was thinking it was like a book called a thotharth. That works too. <laughs> a thotharth just sounds like some sort of dinosaur, though. It does. Uh, there there are thesaurus dinosaur memes, and I love all of them because I love dinosaurs. Insane. I wish there were still dinosaurs, but I don't want, like, Jurassic Park dinosaurs that are, like, hybrid with, like, other DNA that go crazy. You want land before time dinosaurs, not Jurassic Park. Yeah, like, I want actual, like... Well, the way they were is Jurassic Park. No, no, Jurassic Park was not because they mixed it with frog DNA. Yeah, but I still have a feeling that most of them were aggressive, unless you get the ones that don't eat meat. Then... Oh, yeah, they were aggressive, but, like, I want, like, a brontosaurus and a triceratops. They were herbivores. Best I can do is a giraffe painted green. God. Oh, my God. Speaking of green and paint. Oh, yes. I was painting. Mara and the green beans. D&D miniatures. She jumped up and literally... It's like she targeted my paint palette. So violent. Jumped up and feet right in green paint. Wonderful. Oh my god. And then she was so mad because I had to hold her while Chris took a damp washcloth and washed her feet. She was so mad. How dare you? I know. I'm a monster. Maybe you should like educate her on like feet washing being like what what people did to royalty back in the day. Well, normally I don't have to wash Maybe her feet. Okay it. It's only when she jumps into green paint and then walks all over my desk. How often does she jump into green paint, though? This was the first time. Although we do have a paw print on one of our walls because Han put his foot in paint and then put his foot on the wall. He wanted to help. I was so mad at him. And it's uh, chalkboard paint, so... <laughs> anyway. I would have even been mad. I mean, like, that's this extra detail. It's, it's fine. It's a little Easter that's egg. That's my boy. <laughs> Well, and he was a kitten, so it's little. Um. <laughs> Even better. He was obviously suspected for these four years of being in cemeteries and being dirty and smelly. So during this investigation of these hate crimes, police raided his home. And while they were searching the home... It was, I would say, pretty much a hoarder's level situation. I don't know if it was dirty like a hoarding situation, but it was just books and papers and these large homemade dolls and, you know, just weird collections of stuff. And I will also remind you that he lives with his parents. So there were three of them living in this. Um, and there was just stuff everywhere. And during the raid, they went and moved one of these dolls, and they heard something rattling inside. Well, lovely. This led to one of the most horrifying discoveries, that inside these 26 large dolls were the mummified remains of human bodies. Great. Great. 
Yes. So Moskvin cooperated with investigators and they found out that he had been making these dolls for over 10 years. He had a list of their birthdays on his bedroom wall. He also kept photographs and nameplates from the grave sites, which then also helped with victim identification. So none of these bodies were people that he killed. A lot of them were either natural or accidental deaths. Did he, did he just take them from the cemetery? He did. Great. Yeah. A lot of people have questioned how he was able to do this while living with his parents. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you came home with a mummified corpse, there would be a lot of questions. Probably, yeah. One would think. Yeah. So, half of each year, his parents would spend away from home at their summer cottage. And during this time is when he would find his targets and create the dolls. Police even found detailed instructions. He documented and saved tutorials and articles on how to do it, how to make dolls, not necessarily these dolls, but he, you know, doll making tutorials and everything. Proper doll making tutorials. He just added his own touch to it. Yes. So what he would do is he would mummify the body, uh, usually at the cemetery somewhere in like a mausoleum or somewhere dry and, you know, all that so that they properly mummified, which would also remove a lot of the smell it would remove a lot of the gross bits of decomposition, etc. And then once it was mummified, he would bring it home and then follow these tutorials using plaster and cloth and other materials. He would stuff parts of their body to fill them out. Uh, he would also, some of them, place music boxes within the doll so that they would make noise and play music. So, let, let me get this straight here. Did did he put the body into a doll, or did he turn the body into a doll? He turned the body into a doll. Okay, because at first, when, when you said they picked up a, a doll and it kind of rattled, I assume he took, like, you know, bone fragments and made a doll with some of the bone fragments inside, and they heard that. But no, he just straight up turned the body into a doll. Fair enough. Yes, he would bring home the entire body, wrap it, stuff it, fill it out, and create the doll. Well, there's a, uh, this this is, I know, an entirely different story maybe for a, a post, but um, are you familiar, I don't remember the guy's name either, I'd have to look up and do research on this, but uh, have you heard about the guy who, um, I think he was a famous outlaw or something at one point, and uh, whenever he was finally caught and killed... His body was put on display for the, the sheriff, I guess, because he had killed so many people. And then it ended up making its rounds through circuses and stuff like that before someone realized that it was a real body. Ew. Yeah, it was it was used as a circus because they, they thought it was fake, but turns out it wasn't. Oh, God. I remember the Will Harris story that you told. Yeah, this I, I forgot who this was. This was something different. I had, I had seen it one time. It was... I think it was like a recommended article on Facebook or something, because now I'm getting suggestions for stuff like that. Of so. course you are. I have the weirdest suggestions online, because not only do I search for weird things, 
like stories and stuff like that. But I also, for work, we work with a large variety of clients. So some days I'll be searching for baby clothing and other days firearms and then, you know, vegan meal prep kits. And, you know, like it runs the gamut because we, we serve the, the e just doesn't know what to market toward you. Yeah. Well, I mean, we serve e-commerce. So pretty much anybody who can sell things online, we get. And, uh, they're they're just like oh okay. You ever get an ad that you made? Ah, <laughs> uh, not in a long time. Not not in a long long time. Um, Fair enough. But yes, in the past I have. I've been targeted by my own ads. And then it just be like, hey, look at this really cool ad. It looks really nice. Whoever made this did a really good job. We thought you might like to see it. <laughs> you worked so hard on this. Due to the mummification, like I said. And then the different techniques he used to make the dolls, his parents were completely unaware of what was inside. They just thought that he liked to create these homemade dolls. And like I said, he was a little eccentric. He was a little odd. So they just thought he liked to make dolls. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my reaction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to think, like, you know, parents will parents have blinders on for their kids a lot of times and you know like i mean you think about it <laughs> my parents are like oh great she likes to look into morbid horrifying crime for fun where did we go wrong just like fair enough all right then go ahead you know maybe maybe if i just made some weird dolls i don't know i i i, I don't know i have long ago i have stopped trying to understand the people in these stories note to self if most starts making weird dolls be afraid <laughs> uh, you'd probably be in one i mean <clears throat> <laughs> you're right <laughs> uh so yeah his parents like i said they didn't they had no idea and they loved they loved their son they they just thought he was a little weird kind of digging into maybe a little bit of the why and he has he he went on record and he said that the reason he took these bodies was that their parents abandoned them cold and alone in their graves most of the bodies were children but some ranged into their early 20s and he would then well, after he brought them home he dressed them in warm bright colored clothing he would put makeup on some of their faces so they felt pretty and he just in his mind he was bringing them somewhere that they were loved and cared for um, versus being cold and alone in the ground and like as bad as all of this is uh, at least like he had good intentions he wasn't going to do anything uh, i mean making dolls out of the bodies is pretty weird but he was that was the only weird thing he was doing it's it's one of those the road to hell is paved in good intentions situations like he he came from it in his mind from a good place it just is not a good thing yeah, but I mean, it, at least he wasn't doing anything else with the bodies or, you know, snacking on them or anything like Correct. that. You know, he was... Correct. He was he was caring He was caring for these children. But it could have been a whole lot worse. It could have been a whole lot worse. When he would case a spirit, 
and monitor the grave. He would leave signed notes and he would sign them D.A., which stood for Dabri Angel, and that translates to Kind Angel. So he thought saw himself as a kind angel who was taking care of these spirits. And he stated that he took them because he believed he could either use dark magic or potentially science would advance to the point that he could bring these children back. All right. Fair enough. Now, I want to focus on the other side of the story. And one of these children was a little girl named Olga Shardnamova. She was only 10 years old when she was murdered. Her grandmother lived one block away from her house. And she was a bright slightly defiant little girl she was strong and she wanted to walk to her grandmother's house all by herself and her mother finally gave way and said okay you can walk to your grandma's house so it's one block away so the beautiful little girl with her blonde hair put on her bright colored coat and walked down the block on the way a drug addict grabbed her and took her to a secluded location to steal her earrings and see if she had any other valuables or pocket change on her. And when she tried to escape, they struck her over the head with a metal bar. And then they hid her body and she was not found for five months. As you can imagine, her mother Natalia went through hell. She had no idea where her daughter was for five months. And she was finally able to bury her little girl in 2002. She would visit the grave often, as a grieving mother does. And she was building a small little decorative fence around it so that they could grow flowers and everything. And she worked on this from 2002 to 2003. And while she was working, a lot of times she would come there and find notes that were signed D.A., and little gifts and stuffed animals that were apparently stolen from other graves. He's a little confused, but he's got the spirit. Well, some of these notes were very antagonistic and said that they needed to build a statue to her. They weren't honoring her memory enough that, you know, they were very forward, I guess I would say. But it was always about, you know, honoring her memory and everything. So they they did. They built a little statue there. And like I said, that is the flowers, the fence, etc. And then one time the mother said it looked like the grave may have been disturbed, but she didn't really look into it. You know, it, you know, maybe it was animals or, you know, something, you know, something. It wasn't like a very obvious disturbed It wasn't clearly, like, fresh dirt. Yes. So, in 2012, as part of the investigation into Moskvin, uh, she was on that list of photographs, nameplates, and birthdays. So, they asked to exhume the grave. And the coffin was surprisingly well-preserved for being in the ground for ten years at this point. But there was a hole in the top and the body was gone. From his notes that they found in the house during the raid, he dug her up in 2003 when the mother noticed that the grave was disturbed. 
what police could piece together, it appeared that he dug down, broke a hole into the top of the coffin, stole the body, filled the hole up, and left. Obviously, Natalia was devastated. I, I, there's, I, that word isn't enough to explain how she felt, but not only was she visiting an empty grave for a decade, um, her photos of his dolls and his home and all those things were splashed all over the internet. And I will say, I am not going to include any of those in the show notes. If people are, truly are interested, they are very easy to find. They're not graphic. I just, I, I don't feel right sharing them. Yeah, because of the context of what those are photos of, that's just a little, a little disrespectful. Yeah, I, I like those. Those souls have finally been put to rest, so I, I, I feel they, you know, they should be left to rest. Uh, but after she got her daughter back again, she buried her in an unmarked grave somewhere else so that she could finally rest in peace. Uh, since you know, losing Olga in 2002, um, Natalia has had a son. Um, she and her husband, uh, obviously losing their daughter was hard, but, you know, they, they kind of pushed through and they continue trying to live life without their little girl. But, um, obviously the, the sensationalism of this case was incredibly difficult for them. So, during the trial, <laughs> uh, Moskvin was given a psychiatric evaluation. We hear this a lot. And many times on this show, we say that, yes, they had some sort of uh, borderline personality disorder or something like that, but they were fit to stand trial. Moskvin was determined and diagnosed as schizophrenic and he was labeled unfit to stand trial. During the interviews and the psychiatric evaluation, he even told authorities not to bother reburying the bodies because he was going to dig them back up when he was released. Bruh. Yeah, that's that's going to help you get released. Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely going to let them make them be like, oh, you know what? Um... Yeah, you're fine. He's fine. He's been rehabilitated. He's all right to leave. He told us he's going to do it again. Yeah. Well, he was sentenced to uh, treatment at a criminal level psychiatric ward. In 2019, the doctors actually petitioned for his release, saying that he was rehabilitated. But the court system, thank God, denied the release, and he does still remain in custody. Uh, he also has filed petitions to be released because while he has been in the care of the psychiatric ward, he has had a long distance relationship with a woman and he wants to just lead a normal life, get married, have kids, you know, the, the, the normal. I mean, like for someone like him, if he really wants out that bad let's let's let him out but we're gonna put him in a little village and like you know far away from any other cities or any people with no way to get back that little village is called a prison 
Well, he can have the appearance of being free. He can have a little, little cabin out in the woods somewhere and just do what he wants. He just can't be around other people. Luckily, the court system disagrees, and he is still in psychiatric care. And, um... Yeah. I don't, I don't know the details. Like I said, the doctors say he's been rehabilitated. What, what does that mean? Like, you know, schizophrenia is not something that you can just cure. So what exactly makes them think that he's fine? Maybe they've had him on medication long enough that he's like, as long as he takes this, he'll be fine. Mm, uh, I still think... If that's what they're considering rehabilitating. Yeah, I still think that, um... No. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not... I'm not agreeing <laughs> that he needs to be let out. No, 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 I'm just... Keep him in there, but their definition of rehabilitated might mean as long as he's sedated, he's rehabilitated. Fair, fair. But uh, that's actually that's actually the story. It's a little bit of a shorter one this week, but I I found it strangely fascinating. Yes, as with all of the stories, they are all fascinating in their own way and interesting. It feels weird saying that was a good story. But you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. And like, I think one of the things that kind of drew me to the story is that it's different than what you usually hear. Like, oh, you know, this person murdered or stole or, you know, grave robbed or whatever. You you never really hear of them all wrapped up in one. Yeah. Although he didn't murder. But yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's all I got for you tonight, Cracko. How that doesn't make it better. Anyway, so next week is going to be a Cracko tale. Do we really need to say any more? It's going to be a Cracko tale. Is, is there any more that we need to say? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be horrifying and disturbing. Yes, just like this one was disturbing and horrifying. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Cracko, you ready? Okay, bye.